Hey guys, it's Terrence Mann. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Nose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. E-Dub in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, Go Nose. This is Terrell Buckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan from Here the Sphere, presented to you by Noel Game Day. Happy 2020, happy new year from all of us here at Here the Spear. Uh, with me tonight is going to be our lead writer and editor, Dustin Lewis, and our lead basketball writer, Austin VZ. We're going to preview a little bit of some basketball coming up. We're going to recap the Florida State versus Arizona State game, give our thoughts on that and where we're going to start getting ready for the off season now after Florida state has uh, another losing record in back-to-back seasons. I know that kind of sounds depressing, but how are you guys doing this evening? I'm doing pretty good. You know, it's, it's great to be in, in a new decade and I'm excited to see how, how we can start off 2020 and just, you know, continue to build here, the spear and where we go from here. I, to- I told you, Logan, I haven't told Austin yet. My goal this year is to have at least 75 podcasts go out. Wow. That's a hefty goal. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. That's a hefty goal, but I think we can do it. And uh, I'm excited for the content we're going to bring out this year at No Game Day and Hear the Spear. Yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff that we have planned for this year. We always try to make the next year put in a little bit extra work. Uh, and so we're looking forward to doing podcasts. has been uh, growing very quickly, which is nice to see, and we appreciate everybody listening as always. And uh, on Austin's side of things, it's going to get a little bit more busier now with the ACC play continuously going on for the rest of basketball season. Uh, and then Dustin is in between both with basketball and football, and also follow for uh, follow the follows. That's pretty much his day, <laughs> <laughs> stalking people and seeing who they're following. Uh, and I mean, hey, it's working out. I mean, yeah, it works. Uh, it works. So I mean, we're not. We can't make fun of them until they start following uh, the opposite people, and you get exposed, Dustin. Yeah, I'm just. I'm waiting. At this point, I'm just waiting for them to catch on and just start screwing with me. Which I mean, I'd be pretty excited, <laughs> honestly, because that means they're playing the game back. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And your clout is going up too. That's what you continuously tell us in our and our meetings before we record, uh, your cloud is going up, you're gaining followers, and, and it's good to see someone get over like over 100 followers finally. Yeah, He's getting a little uh, too big for his head. <laughs> I don't say those types of things. I'm, I'm a very guided individual. and uh, guided. You know, I, I respect everyone that decides to follow my work. Thank you so much. And yeah, I'm just going to keep it rolling. Uh, good idea, good idea. Well, we're going to keep it rolling right now. <laughs> right now, we're going to get into some Florida State versus Arizona State uh, conversation. Um, So uh, all of us on here 
except for Dustin. We predicted Florida State to lose this game to Arizona State. Dustin was the one that predicted Florida State to come away with this win. And you want to tell us why you thought that Florida State was going to come away with this win? Yeah, I talked about it on the last podcast, but really the big key coming into this game was turnovers. And Arizona State on the season, they had um, on offense, they committed just 12 turnovers all year, including just two interceptions from Jaden Daniels. So I figured that would be a big key going into the game. Um, I predicted that Arizona State would actually have three turnovers against FSU, which that was looking pretty good in the first quarter. After the Knowles got two fumbles, but after that, Sun Devils tightened up a little bit on offense and didn't end up turning over again. But they also weren't very productive. But the problem was Florida State turned it over six times, really seven if you count the blocked field goal. One of those was an interception on the one-yard line. Um, one was a pick six that, I, I mean, <laughs> I guess I guess you would say one Arizona State the game. I mean, that was really the – those were the last points. So yeah. A game-ending pick six from James Blackman out of a timeout. I'd like to add that in there as well. So six turnovers, and yeah, just a really a total meltdown on offense, especially considering how well the defense played, holding Arizona State really to just 13 offensive points if you take away that pick six. Um yeah, the only time that Florida State scored anything was in the third quarter. I mean, you look at it, Florida State didn't score score a point in the first half, and you know they didn't score in score any also in the fourth quarter, but came away with 14 points. I mean, a lot of that, you know, we'll, we'll get to it with Tobias Terry, but uh, I mean, he had a good game, and then the ending just was kind of reversed for him. Yeah, Florida State had so many chances to win that game, and it's a shame because the defense played as well as they've played in two years. That was Harlan um, Barnett's last good last coach game for Florida State, yes. And last coincident- coincidentally, they switched back to a 4-3 defense for this bowl game, and that's what Harlan, Harlan Barnett's um, coached since he's been a defensive coordinator. Obviously, he uh, Willie Taggart kind of had him change it around this year, but – Going back to his base defense and what he knows, I mean, they looked they looked pretty good in the bowl game, shut down Arizona State, and gave this team plenty of chances to win. I mean, you cut out the six turnovers. Let's say Florida State gets in on the one-yard line instead of throwing an interception right there, and they don't throw the pick six. I mean, this is a game that FSU potentially could have won by, I mean, at, at minimum 10 points if they wouldn't have turned the ball over. Let's just – let's all just – at the elephant out of the room, throwing right there was probably one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. Um, Deontay Sheffield already would have had a four-yard gain after that. They would have scored instantly the next play, throwing the ball. I know DJ Matthew slipped and all this kind of stuff, but that was that was a bad ball idiotic. anyway. It didn't matter. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, that was just stupidity going and doing that. I mean, everybody knows it, but, I mean, I just feel like I needed to say that on my part. <laughs> I also understand the hesitation to run it, though. I mean, it is – no scholarship running backs. The offensive line's horrible. So I, mean, I get the hesitation, but yeah, it's it's not a great play call. We've seen what can happen when you throw on the goal line, going back to Seattle versus New England in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. So yeah, but that's Marshawn Lynch versus. I, I get it. The smart, the smart move is to run the ball, but like you like you said, Austin, with walk on running backs and a, a really poor offensive line. Browse just wanted to mix it up a little bit. And he did that throughout the game. I really thought his play calling was pretty interesting. Like Florida State, they had a bunch of cool trick plays that they broke out, including like the play 
Travis throws it back to Blackman, who ends up throwing it black back to Travis, <laughs> who gets inside the five yard line, and then Florida State scores on the next play with the wide receiver reverse. So Brian's had some interesting moments in his last game before he heads over to Arkansas. And, you know, if they didn't have the six turnovers, you're looking at a completely different ball game. I can't stress that enough. But Blackman was off and a couple fumbles just ruined it. And you know what? So after three interceptions, and he probably would have been sat down, but you know, the strange thing and what the big conversation on Twitter was and throughout the whole FSU fan base was why can't Jordan Travis get more burnout uh, actually running the whole drive and also being able to throw the football a bit more? And we've heard rumors about him not able or didn't learn the playbook as well or something like that. He had difficulty throughout the season, and that's why they only ran just a few kind of um, uh, plays with him in in certain scenarios. But, you know, Jordan Travis is extremely talented. I mean, watching that game and what we've seen throughout the whole season with him, he has beautiful eye vision, uh, and he knows where to run. He knows where the first down marker is. Uh, And the one thing that I think is setting him back is either not like we've heard, maybe not learned the playbook uh, fully or they just really don't trust him throwing. But I don't feel like that's a I don't feel like that's a situation where, you know, he's got James Blackman who's thrown four interceptions after this game. Um, At at some point, you got to let Jordan Travis do a little bit more. And I know he was injured near the end of the game. So, of course, you do put James Blackman back in and plus you need to get down on the field. Uh, and Keith Gavin came in clutch at, at that point. Uh, but Jordan Travis, got heading into next season, there will be a, a better battle. And I'm sure that Mike Norvell will want to focus on making sure that he is uh, in the competitive uh, time with Blackman and Purdy and Roadmaker. Yeah, I mean, once you hit three, four interceptions, it's t- it's time to get that guy out of the ball game. And like you said, Logan, Florida State, they did try to get him out, and Travis just wasn't healthy enough to keep out there on the field after he injured his knee late in the game. But, I mean, at that point, why not even throw Wyatt Rector out there? I, I know that's crazy. He just transferred in from – actually, I, I lied. He, he's actually not eligible, so forget that. I just remembered, I just remembered he's yeah. not eligible right now. That's all right. We all – it's all right. It was. We're, it's 2020 now. We forget what happened. Well, can we just call Alex Hornibrook a, a quitter then, at least? <laughs> hey, hey, he would have gotten some valuable reps in this game. After the second pick, they probably would have <laughs> went to Hornibrook for the rest of this game. Yeah, honestly. So. Yeah, I mean, quitter. Big... <laughs> reminds me. Reminds me kind of Everett Golson in 2015 before the Houston Bowl game. Because mm-hmm. after John McGuire broke his ankle, Golson could have went there, went in instead of JJ Constantino. A little different with Golson though, because like I think I'm pretty sure he had a family member pass away, so that contributed to it. But yeah, Alex Hornibrook's just a bitch. I mean, he's, jeez, he's training for an NFL opportunity that's that's not going to happen. I mean, we're, you're wasting money right now, training, so, bro. So we won't be having Alex Hornibrook on as a guest. Austin, I have him on anyway. <laughs> oh, man. Well, let's see. Deontay Sheffield, I'll tell you what, Treshawn Ward walk on, I think, played pretty solid, too. He had 10 carries for 44 yards. He's averaging 4.4 on the play. And then you look at Deontay Sheffield, uh, he went 18 carries, 87 yards, and he was averaging 4.8. Uh, so I, I feel like he did. they did what they needed to do. 
but after all of that, I mean, the the quarterback play was just not not on it. It just it didn't. I know I know we'll get to the talk about quarterbacks in the future there, but it's just it's just uh, it was a terrible day for Florida State's offense as a whole. Yeah, I mean, really, the running game was the positive aspect of what we saw outside of that long pass play from Blackman to Tamori Ontario that went 91 yards. But to see Treshawn Ward and Deontay Sheffield combined for 28 carries and almost, I think it, yeah, over 130 yards as well Mm -hmm. as, as well as Travis getting in there with 11 carries for 58. I mean, Florida state, they did what they needed to do on the ground, but they just, there was no consistency in the passing game. And that just, that goes over to James Blackman again. he, he was off pretty much that entire game after he threw the the first or second interception and then got sacked and fumbled the ball from then on out. He was rattled for the rest of that ball game and just couldn't get it back under control. I remember on the sideline, uh, Ryan Roberts was having a pretty emotional talk with him, trying to keep him in the game, but it yeah. just, it didn't work out how Florida state wanted to. He just couldn't, he couldn't get his emotions back under control. And you could tell that, he was afraid to throw another interception and he was kind of pressing it a little bit. That's something that's been a, been a, been a problem, I guess you can straight up and say for his career at Florida state, he obviously loves his team. He loves, he wants to put his all into it. Uh, and sometimes things backfire on him a lot and, and it affects him. And I think it gets too much into his head for the most part. And like you said, it will hold back on a few things and it ends up ruining it and turning over, turning the ball over too many times, which he said in the press conference after the game is something that he said he really did. He screwed up everything for his team and uh, he felt terrible, but he was definitely emotional on the sideline talking with Ryan Roberts, um, who also had a, had a God awful game. <laughs> throw that out there. And then uh, DJ Matthews. So, um, and, and I didn't see uh, DJ Matthews for a majority of the rest of that game, I think, in the second half. Yeah, I think Odell said he suffered a hand injury or something like that. He wasn't – I noticed when they were having that conversation with Blackman on the sideline that DJ wasn't dressed out at that point. He just had a hoodie on. Okay. Yeah. And then one thing that I think coming away positively looking through the – future is Jordan Young. Uh, it shows on here that he only recorded one reception, but I swear me and Dustin thought that he recorded more than three that. or four for sure. Yeah, he had a back to I know he for sure had a back to back reception. Back to back to back. Yeah, yeah. At least there was three balls thrown <laughs> his way. Crazy. And he had great grabs right on the sideline too. He's got he's gonna be a talent for Florida State next year. Definitely like a receiver corp. Yeah. <laughs> exactly and that's a guy too has, who is not selfish he's waited he's waited he's even let i mean warren thompson isn't with the team right now uh, and or he's not with uh he, he hasn't traveled to the last couple of games but jordan young has stuck around there and we've been excited about jordan young and we, we're finally getting a little hints at him we've seen near the end of the season but most certainly in this ball game i think florida state fans should look forward to that department uh in the future yeah but i mean just i know one thing mike norvell said uh before the bowl game was uh that he didn't intend to pursue a grad transfer quarterback obviously you signed tate roadmaker and, and chubba purdy in the 2020 class 
you have James Blackman and Jordan Travis set right now to return to scholarship QBs. And then you also have Wyatt Rector, who will be eligible next year and could potentially be given a scholarship. He was the uh, scout team player of the year this season uh, at Florida State's banquet a couple weeks ago. So after seeing this performance from Blackman, four interceptions, five total turnovers, really just struggling throughout the game, and then maybe a little bit of a emotional outburst on the sideline, you know, does does this make, Norv- make Mike Norvell question that statement and potentially think about going after a grad transfer guy now? I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, I'm really curious what Blackman's offseason is going to be like because he even mentioned before the bowl game and during the interviews that he wasn't sure what was going to happen. He would make a decision after the bowl game's over. So is he really thinking about transferring out? Is Florida State going to bring in a transfer option in? Um, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen over these next couple months with Blackman and his future. And there's a couple interesting names in the transfer portal, actually. Stanford quarterback K.J. Costello who, I mean, I don't know a bunch about him, but from what I've watched over the years for, from Stanford the last couple of years, he seems like he could be a pretty solid option. And then, obviously, there's Mike Norvell's former quarterback at Memphis, Brady White. Um, there, was a, there was a report before the bowl game that said he was only going to consider returning to Memphis or going, going to the NFL, but I definitely could see him deciding to come to Florida State under – the head coach that recruited him to Arizona State, where he began his career, and then also to Memphis when White decided to transfer. And, I mean, Mike Norvell has really developed White into a college football star. Um, This season, he had career highs in basically every category, and last two years he started for the Tigers, and they've they've really lit it up on offense. So it'd be interesting to to follow his his status as this offseason kind of progresses. Yeah, that would be a guy I would keep my eye on the most out of all of this because, I mean, what you saw from Blackman and what his comments are, like Austin said, there's no telling where where he could go if he's going to leave, if he stays or not. There's most certainly going to be a humongous quarterback battle heading into next season no matter what. Uh, and I think Florida State fans are all for it because James Blackman is just too inconsistent. I know I've been positive about him throughout the whole season, but after – you know, the, the remainder of the season and then this bowl game, I, I don't really understand because Arizona State, let's all be honest here. They, they were they're not good. I mean, Arizona State <laughs> is terrible. I mean, and that just shows how terrible Florida State is, too, as was as a team. Um, and I'm sure Mike Norvell saw firsthand about, holy shit, <laughs> what is happening? Um, and that probably goes also to Adam Fuller. And also Dillingham, uh, the new offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, uh, watching that in assistance and everybody because, I mean, whatever Willie Taggart brought here, whatever he was an, intending to do, was not the not not solid whatsoever. And, you know, watching that game firsthand for Norvell had to have been uh, a pretty good wake-up call to what he's about to step into, uh, heading into whenever he start uh, getting into summer workouts and, and start looking at film. I mean, maybe maybe I'm an optimist, but I just I really didn't think Florida State looked that bad. I mean, defensively, it was one of their best performances in years. Defense looked really solid outside of a couple of big plays. One comes to mind is that that screen Arizona State ran up the sideline for like 70 yards. It was really just the offense. And even looking at the offensive stats a little bit, um, Florida State 
had 470 total yards of offense, 224 yards on the ground. And it's just those those six glaring turnovers and the blocked field goal come back to bite you. I mean, Florida State was in position to blow out Arizona State. This game wouldn't have been – I keep saying it. This game would not have been close if there hadn't been the turnovers. But mm-hmm. Yeah, there, no, they there had were. There were. They had, <laughs> they had seven more first downs in Arizona State. And also the total yards, Florida State had 470. doubled over. Arizona State, yeah. Arizona State only had 282. Uh, but turnovers was the big difference there. Four more Florida State had, and that's what how, that's how you lose games most certainly. And, and the block field goal. Good thing you jinxed him on the preview, brother. <laughs> good thing you jinxed him, Dustin. Apparently, I mean, jeez. <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, uh, Jane Daniels. I mean, young, young. God, don't please don't come after me. But he ain't that great. <laughs> Uh, for that game, he ain't that great. So, uh, of course, Florida State's defense played very well. I thought the linebacker corp looked a lot more solid. Emmett Rice is going to have a yeah, Emmett Rice, Florida State. Uh, he looks all uh, solid too. Uh, Mari Gaynor looked pretty good. Yeah, Gaynor looked good. I think Gant, if he plays a little bit smarter in his head and plays mentally stronger i think he could have a good season for florida state too because gant and emmett rice will absolutely obliterate you i remember seeing a hit where both of them were in on at the same time and that was just like beautifulness for me i thought i was in heaven i love big hits so seeing brendan gant and emmett rice i thought they were hitting their gaps correctly at least for the most part of the game um and i thought leonard warner for the most part had a decent game too so the linebacker corp for what it was was not terrible, and you know I'm sure Harlan Barnett was coaching for his next job. But heading into next season, there's going to be a lot of younger guys coming in that are going to be expected to play early. Um, and guys like um, McCray is one that I think could get some burn uh, early yeah, on. Plus, you've got Kalen Delowich and Kevon Glenn both waiting in the wings. Got a couple of good signees coming in. Yeah, Jayon McCluster. So. You also could add a add a grad transfer potentially one guy um, that I would think is is Cornell Jones from Purdue. I personally got a chance to talk to him. He told me the staff has reached out to him and he's interested in Florida State. He's a Florida Nate. He's a Florida native. So as long as FSU has a spot and pushes a little bit, I think he definitely ends up in Tallahassee. Dante Lucas went down with an apparent leg injury, which looked pretty tough. Uh, and that's obviously not a good sign for the Knowles and the offensive line because he was the big hit uh, throughout the whole season for that position group. And, you know, we still don't know what kind of injury it is or how long he'll be out and what he'll, his rehab is going to be, but it didn't look pretty whatsoever. And, you know, it's, it's just Florida State has just uh, – you just wish that ball game kind of just was just – you could just get out of the ball game, just not even play the ball game, just get into <laughs> the Mike Norvell era, just don't even play the game. Because, I mean, Florida State's – their best their best offensive lineman goes down, and that's your true freshman. It's going to go in yep. and be a true sophomore next season. We've seen more air casts and stretchers and carts than – this season than any season I've seen in the past, and it's been to all of your best players. Jaden Woodby, Josh Kando, Nazaldine, and now Dante Lucas. 
I mean, it's, it's been a tough season Elton. for Florida State. And the, yeah, Keyshawn Helton. Yeah. yeah. It's been so a brutal season injuries-wise. And is some of that due to the strength program? Is, or is it just a whole bunch of bad luck? Who knows? But it's, it's been a rough season and way too many injuries. Way too many. Yeah, there hasn't been an official announcement yet. But, I mean, just looking at the injury, it looked like Dante Lucas suffered a fractured ankle. If so... There, there'd be the potential for him to undergo surgery to have that injury repaired. So, I mean, at this point, you're probably not going to see him for spring practice. You're probably not going to get Dante back until um, fall camp, into the summer. And, and I mean, it's like a big, that. he doesn't want it. He doesn't. He wants. Yeah. He's a guy. If we heard a lot of stories once he first got to Florida State, he was talking to veterans there, telling them during practice, man up. You know, I'm coming here. I want to play football. I want to take your spot. And he sure damn did. <laughs> it came to fruition. So just looking at him, I, I feel bad for the guy because he obviously he played solid this year. He's only going to get better. Um, and having a guy go down that really, you know, wants to do better as a whole and, and just really likes football and, and nothing else, it seems like it sucks for him. That's his life. And, you know, I my life is looking at my phone on Twitter for like most time of the day. And if someone took Twitter away from me, I would be distraught. So. Yeah. I mean, you have to imagine it's very tough for Lucas. Like you said, he had a very solid true freshman season. I mean, this is a true freshman starting on the offensive line in college football. It doesn't normally happen. It is Florida state's offensive line. So we do, <laughs> we do have to add that to the equation, but yeah, I mean, Lucas, Lucas is a guy that could potentially end up being an, an early entry into the NFL draft by the time his career is all said and done. And I mean, next year he's, he's probably in your top three of best offensive linemen on the roster, as long as he can get back to full health and just continue to develop his game. Y'all want to get to Tamara on Terry here at the end, you know, we both came on here, me and you, Dustin, to do a live reaction or instant reaction to Tamaron Terry and Marvin Wilson making their announcements uh, that they were going to stay at Florida State another season and going into 2020. Uh, and then Tamaron Terry had a solid game here, uh, and his stats showed for it too. Uh, he went well. He he was used a lot in rushing too, but receiving 165 yards, nine catches, a touchdown, as long as 91 yards. It just he I, it always surprised me. I always feel like there's no way he's going to get away from that DB, but he does. He's extremely fast. Um, and he also has such strong arms, uh, but at the end of the game, uh, he, he fumbles the ball and that that's pretty much does it for Florida state. Yeah. Pretty I mean, good finish to the 2019 Florida state season can, can have ended in more <laughs> Florida state way. Yeah. Well, I know you get Keith Gavin long and out of nowhere, he makes that catch. <laughs> and then, uh, Tamaron Terry is the one that fumbles it. And you know what? I, Okay, I, I, I do understand that, that Tamaron Terry is fast, and you don't have like a lot of weapons as much on offense. I do understand that. Um, and maybe I should just shut up then. But Tamaron Terry was using a lot of sweeps from behind. Uh, he was going through a lot of running motions, which I, I understand he's fast. He's just lanky. Uh, but I, I, I forget, was that a catch and then fumble, or was he running it and then fumble? No, it was a direct snap, I believe. Yeah, the Wild Terry. Yeah. 
So that well, Terry, that might be the last time. Like I, I've heard, we've heard, I've heard things about Ontario Wilson being extremely fast. I think if Treshawn Harrison wasn't in the currently in the transfer portal and all that kind of mess, then that, that he would have been in this case to take those direct snaps over to Ontario because we heard things uh, during practices throughout the year that he was even practicing a little bit at the running back position whenever they were thin. Yeah, and like you said, Austin, a fitting end FSU season. The last three plays of the season, James Blackman gets sacked. Keith Gavin catches a 49-yard pass on third and 26. And then the very next play, fumble, Arizona State recovers, game over. So, yeah, it couldn't be any more fitting than that. <laughs> but just to talk about Tamori Ontario real quick, he had a great game. I mean, this is a guy he obviously looks like he's an NFL caliber prospect right now. He would definitely get picked in the draft just because of his athletic attributes. Yeah, and I'm sure, a sure, I'm sure a team could continue to build onto what he's done at Florida State because he's just he redshirted 2017 last year. I thought a lot of his production was just based off how athletic he is, being able to catch a ball and just turn it into a big play. And then this year he just became more of a solid route runner catching the the intermediate passes while also still being able to go deep and connect on big plays, which we saw against Arizona State. So another full offseason of developing and going into next year, I mean, Tamori Terry projects to be a complete wide receiver and a pretty high NFL dra- draft choice in 2021 if he just continues to improve. I thought well, he looked – I mean, physically, he looks like an NFL guy right now. Hopefully he can just get a little more consistent next season. He still had some really frustrating easy drops this year. Mm-hmm. Um, if he can fix those next season, he can be a second, third round pick. I don't see why he can't be. He's got the speed. He's got the length. He's got the height. He can just fix some of those drops. He's he's got a great chance to be a really high draft pick next season. Florida State falls to Arizona State and the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, 20-14, to back-to-back 6-7 and seven record for the Knowles. Uh, and the Mike Norvell That's era false. is a f- my false. Am I wrong? Last year it was 5-7. and seven. Oh, my bad. My men to say, I meant to say back-to-back losing records. But I'm glad you kept me in check there. Just want to make sure we're putting out, you know, no fake yeah, news here. No fake news. Hashtag no fake news here. I hear the spear. Uh, but, yeah, the Mike Norvell era has officially begun. Um, and, yeah, it's just a, just a disgusting game <laughs> and a disgusting city in El Paso. No, I'm just kidding. Whoa. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. If, if anybody lives there near it, I'm sorry. I did not mean to say that. That was a joke. <laughs> I just want to chime in. I wasn't in El Paso, but I did see some of the pictures of food that the media members were posting. And man, that looks like a, a pretty great city to go to to get some steak and some barbecue. So, yeah, don't talk shit about El Paso, bud. I, I thought it looked delicious too. I love Mexican food too, and I didn't notice. I looked it up on the map, and I didn't know it was like all the way west, all the way in West Texas. If it was on like the east coast of Texas, and I, I probably would have oh, thought. Oh, it's on the hey, border. I told yeah. you, I wanted to see someone get kidnapped by the cartel. It's right there on the border. You can go right over and come back. I mean. I have an interesting story for us. Let us get some clicks over here. <laughs> Your follow for follows is doing good enough. <laughs> <laughs> or follow the follows, my bad. Um, but yeah, I'd say we jump in. We actually put, or you put out a tweet on Twitter, didn't you, Dustin? Yeah, I did. I do that a lot. 
So what kind of tweet did you put out for this one? I mean, you're, dude, you can intro this part. All, all I did was ask for questions for the podcast, you weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I saw you run through these kind of quickly. We got quite a bit of these over like six, so seven. Eight. Oh, eight. So we'll run through these real quick, but thanks again for tweeting Dustin. I'm getting, getting some content here from you guys listening. So uh, this is from Knowles Fan Iowa. Asks, what was the real story with Travis J being out all year? Any takers? I have my take. Um, yeah, I don't think there was really a story or conspiracy here. I think it was just academics. And um, by the, I'm not, I don't even know if they've got the issue completely resolved yet. Yeah. But I think it's something that should be taken care of by the spring. And I expect Travis J to be eligible next season. Uh, me and Logan talked about on last podcast. I really think he's potentially one of the most underrated recruits in all of the 2019 class and could have been a five-star prospect if he was in an area that got a little bit more um, recruiting visibility. So I like Travis J and just some academic things this year. I Earlier earlier this season or earlier during the fall, um, I mentioned one of his teammates had the same issue who was at a, a different college that it also went to Madison County, but they got that issue resolved. So I guess the same thing hasn't quite happened with Travis yet. Yeah, that my take's the same. I was, I think it's just all academics and a testing score issue. Hopefully, by the spring, it'll get solved, like Dustin was saying, and uh, it'll be good to go for next season. And like everybody, I think his potential is as high as anyone on the teams, and we could really use some depth in that cornerback room. No, I, I, that's the same with what I've heard since the beginning. Uh, let's see. Fantasy Analytic asks, with news of Terry and Wilson returning, do you think that increases our chances of landing any grad transfers that may have been skeptical of the current talent on the roster? Um, do you want me to take it? That's a good, it's a good, <laughs> qu- it, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, it's a, it's a, I, I think it's a good, it's a good question. It's an interesting thought, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure any grad transfers per se are necessarily looking at who's returning to decide where they're going. I know some people, some grad transfers definitely want to go into a winning situation, but others just want to go into a place where they can actually get a chance to start and play and show what they can do with more playing time. So it could, it could be either way. It just, it depends on what the respective guy cares about the most when he's looking at the next program he wants to go to. Yeah. If we were pursuing like a quarterback grad transfer and they're seeing Tamori and Terry coming back, obviously yeah. that would have an impact, but we're pursuing mostly offensive linemen for grad transfers. And so I don't know if that would make much of a difference. And then on defense, we're looking at linebackers and for, yeah, mainly just linebackers and a, I think a DN, I think we're looking at that temple. Yeah. DN. So Marvin Wilson coming back maybe matters a little bit to the temple DN, but, uh, not for the linebackers that we're pursuing. So it, it really just depends on the position and uh, who we're going after. But for, and, and for who we're per, bleh, for who we're going after right now, I don't think it matters too much. This next question from N Dom Beck thirteen says, "You don't need to name names, but how many players do you guys here believe will transfer to other schools once the entire staff is in place?" So this one's like always tough for me because I get this asked on our IG live shows. Um, 
and it's I always feel like like we were talking earlier about James Blackman. This is all up in the air for him too. He he had a he had a bad game. And so now it's probably going to go through his head and then figure out and talk with the staff. And I'm sure it seems like Norvell is a guy that will sit you down straight up and tell you uh, if, if he thinks that you'll be playing under him or not. Uh, and so I, I would be – I'm kind of 50-50 on James Blackman right now. Obviously, still Florida State wants to keep quarterback depth there because you got youngins there behind him. I guess you can say Jordan Travis still above. But you got a young, you got a young quarterback room if, Blank, if Blackman's gone. Um, and and I, I, I feel like some of these players, though, that might have had interest in leaving Florida State might have not been able to spend as much time with Mark Norvell, Mike Norvell and staff. Uh, and once they do that or if they have already, then they've probably made the decision, I would think. And I'm thinking positively that Florida State is or these guys will probably want to stick with Florida State. Um, and I think Dillingham and Norvell are offensively are trying to say, hey, playmate, we're trying to make playmakers here. Uh, you're going to going to you're going to get a lot of yards. You're going to have highlight videos. You're going to have your name be out there on national television, making some big plays. Uh, and so I'm, I'm like I'm speaking about a guy like Trayshawn Harrison, who I think is talented, and we've seen flashes of him throughout his career. Uh, and it makes sense for him to put himself in the transfer portal since that was Taggart's guy. But I think keeping him is something that can be kind of easily done from what I've heard of how Mike Norvell is in person with the players that he's talked to so far. There's still going to be some guys that get processed out though. And guys that Norvell and the rest of the staff don't think fits the current state of the roster and where they want to go. Um, how many that is, I don't know. I'm thinking anywhere between five and eight, somewhere in there. We'll see. Um, but like you said, there's so many players up there. Um, another name that came to mind was Anthony Grant. Um, we didn't know where he was all season, but there's some rumors <laughs> out there that he might be coming back. So who knows? And there's always going to be more that people would like to see go, like to Kalen Brooks and others. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, like you said, Austin, I, I've heard between 6 and 10. And, I mean, just looking at the roster a little bit, a couple names that I can just throw out there that I think could be in that situation where they'll consider transferring Carlos Becker defensive back, defensive tackle, Cedric Wood, um, offensive guard, Mike Arnold, maybe, offensive tackle, Jay Williams, a couple guys that haven't really been contributors recently. Obviously, Stanford Samuel, Stanford Samuels has moved on. Hamza Nasirildin could still declare for the NFL. Um, maybe a guy like Cyrus Fagan, even. There's... To Kalen Brooks, you mentioned him. James Blackman, up in the air. Kalon LeBourne, I feel like he's kind of up in the air at this point. I think y'all are being crazy, but that's just me. I think y'all are going way too many people, but I don't <laughs> think I don't think Cedric would. And that's just because he's Tallahassee native. And Odell Higgins, that's pretty much his other son, it feels like. And then Cyrus Bacon now. Uh, uh, keep going. Keep, you're gonna, you're gonna... Anthony Grant, Treshawn Harrison, Noel. Demarcus Adams. Um, a couple oh. redshirt freshmen that haven't really, we haven't really seen. There's Jamarcus Chapman. Obviously, Malcolm Lamar entered the transfer portal. Christian Meadows. Haven't really seen him. Jalen Goss. Chaz Neal. Chaz Neal could be a, a guy. That, dude, I'm, tell, I'm telling you. A lot of these guys, Norvell might not want them. Chaz Neal. Yeah, I can like see him you, being like you, like you said, Logan, Norvell's a straight shooter. If he sits him down and says, we don't want you, they have no choice. <laughs> yeah, Warren wow. Thompson. 
That's about it. So. That's about it. It was like 15 names. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, that's just how it's going to be. I mean, there's a lot of these guys that came to Florida State. Many of them were recruited by Taggart and his guys. Now they're gone. They might not fit the new systems that are in place, like we've said. So I think between six to ten guys are going to explore possibly transferring. Um, Norvell's met with every player at this point. We talked about that. So mm-hmm. at this point, it's it's really up to the players. And I think we'll see some announcements over the coming days, the coming weeks of guys deciding their futures. But yeah. Norvell did a great job convincing Tamar Ontario and Marvin Wilson to come back. He's landed all these guys so quickly in the early signing period. So he and his staff have shown, I, I would say, a unique ability to be able to connect with guys in a short time period. So it wouldn't surprise me if a bunch of the guys that were on the fence are now probably going to be coming back to Florida State. And that's one thing we heard, well, I've heard with Treshawn, just some early whispers that he's going to take his name out of the transfer portal and come back. So Norvell and his staff really killing it at all levels right now. I think the big one for me is Hampson Nasraldine and if he was going to want to stay or go into the NFL because before the FSC versus UF game, before he was hurt, there was some projections that he'd be like a third uh, to late round guy in the NFL draft. Um, and he obviously is one of the best, was one of the best defensive players for Florida State this past season. And then bringing him and keeping him for another year would be enormous for that defense, who, which is already stacked. I know we talked about it in the last podcast when we were talking about Marvin Wilson and then what is also going to be around him if, you know, expecting if, if Corey Durden also is expected to stay. And then also you bring back uh, Robert Cooper and then, you know, defensive end play, everybody around it. We talked about it, but having Hampson Dean back there boosts you up quite a bit too. And that, that could even be dropped down to help in the linebacker corp. Let's see here. What else we got? All right. This is from fantasy analytic. This is another one here. Uh, I know Norvell has stated that he isn't looking at grad transfer quarterbacks. Do you think he still adds one this year? We kind of talked about this earlier though. Yeah. Um, but you know, we were, we kind of are, wouldn't be shocked if Florida state and, and Norvell wants to bring one just, and like we were talking about earlier about Brady white, I personally, and I don't think either Dustin or Austin wouldn't be shocked if Brady white does decide to come here with Mike Norvell to Tallahassee. Yeah, it wouldn't be shocked, but I don't want it to happen. <laughs> Dang. Dustin, what do you have to what's say your, about that? What's your reservations? <laughs> that he just doesn't look that good. He's got great stats, and his stats fit what Dillingham wants for the offense. I just I don't think he's that good of a quarterback. I mean, fair enough. I disagree. Number the numbers speak for themselves: thirty-three touchdowns, eleven interceptions, four thousand yards, sixty-four percent, sixty-four percent completed passes. I mean, he's a pretty good quarterback. His numbers are a little inflated, obviously, just because of the the type of offense that Mike Norvell runs. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't require an elite quarterback per se to put up those types of numbers for sure in that type of spread system. But he's a guy that Norvell is so familiar with. I mean, even since he was in high school, Norvell has known him and recruited him, coached him at Arizona State, brought him to Memphis, coached him some more. So just to have a guy that Norvell is 
probably known for almost a decade and a guy who's remarkably smart. We talked about it. He's already working on his doctorate. So it's a very unique situation for a graduate transfer. I'd be really comfortable with him being Florida State's next quarterback. He's about as smart as me. He's close to it. <laughs> uh, let's get the next question here. All right, this is this is hard for me here. Sosan, Sos- <laughs> Sosa on loud. Sosian loud. Uh, Twenty four asks, what do you think the impact of Roadmaker? Talking about Tate Roadmaker, the the new quarterback commit coming on campus early is. Do you see him having a shot in the fall? So, do you expect? Tate Rodemaker, when coming on campus early, do you think he has a shot in the fall? What do you guys think? I think every quarterback has a shot, honestly. I think it's going to be a really wide-open competition, and uh, I don't think there's going to be any favorites because it's an entirely new staff that's evaluating the entire room. Um, so I think he has a shot. I don't think he'll start. I think it'll be either Blackman if he decides to stay or potentially a grad transfer or Purdy. Um, but uh, we'll see. I think he's very talented, but I'd like to see him redshirt at least the first year. Um, yeah, if, if if Blackman moves on, I mean your your only scholarship quarterbacks are Jordan Travis, Roadmaker, Purdy, and then you also have Rector in the fold as well. So if Blackman does decide to move on, I think there's an outside chance maybe Roadmaker wins a job. He'll be on campus eight or nine months. Before Purdy, he's going to have a chance to go through the the full offseason program, spring practices, get to play in a, a game-like setting with the while learning the new system, which can only benefit him. And he's, he's a really good quarterback. I mean, he's thrown 74 touchdowns to 20 interceptions over the last two seasons. He is going to play in the All-American Bowl on Saturday, which is – where a, a bunch of the top recruits in high school play. It's also a game today, the Under Armour All-American game, where Jayon McCuster played. But Roadmaker is a guy, like, he kind of reminds, not, he doesn't remind me of Travis J, but like Travis J, I feel like he's a little under-recruited, under-respected. And by the time it's all said and done, it wouldn't surprise me if 247 boosts him up to a four-star prospect and he gets a nice little bump in the ratings. Speaking of Jayon Cluster, the three-star linebacker, uh, he played in the Under Armour All-American game tonight. We're recording this on Thursday night. Uh, I'm McCall a regular listener asks us, are y'all talking about the All-American game tonight? Jayon is a damn ball magnet. He's either making the tackle, assisting, or sacking. I'm very impressed at his closing speed and downhill decision-making thus far. I think I was the only one that actually watched this game. I can't say that my eyes were on it 24-7, uh, but there's always football on my TV no matter what. But I did watch a little bit of the game. I did see Jayon play, and I will agree with you. He was very quick and fast. I think he's a guy that is going to make an impact in that linebacker court. I know we're talking about this is going to be a lot of these young guys are going to get a lot of burn next season. Um, I want to be surprised seeing some of these guys. I don't think Jayon McCluster will be right away. I think there's going to be guys like McCray uh, ahead of him and Deloach, like we talked about earlier, but he did look pretty solid in this game. Uh, And Deion Sanders gets another win in Orlando tonight. 
Let's see here. This is, I think, uh, second to last question. This is from Jason Pa. I'm just all I'm going to say because there's about 20 <laughs> numbers next to it. <laughs> but from Jason Pa, he asks, how do the grad transfers offensive line players grade out? Will we be relying on them a lot next season? Or we absolutely. will be relying on them a lot next yeah, season. Yeah, absolutely, and we should. Um, I think we're all expecting at least one more grad transfer offensive lineman to commit and sign over the next few weeks and into signing day. Um, whether it's Stormins from Colorado State or one of the Stanford grad tackles, we'll see. But I, I definitely expect at least one more, and I expect both the grad transfer offensive line to be starting yeah you you pretty much nailed it Forest day wants to add another grad transfer or two to the offensive line i think the the most likely guy is tj stormont who might be visiting in, in early january and then you have Hen- henry haddis and deverly hamilton from stanford i'm not sure how realistic either of those two guys are maybe haddis and then finally, you have um, Terrence Davis from Maryland. I was told that as of now, he hasn't heard from Florida State. So maybe he's a guy they're just looking at in case another option falls through. Or maybe they're just screwing me on Twitter. We'll find out soon enough. <laughs> yeah. I'm just fucking with you, Dustin. <laughs> oh, man. I can't wait. <laughs> they're following every single recruit for a reason <laughs> yeah they've caught on they have caught on i actually had a nice dm night with coach mike norvell uh, i thought i'd bring this up now to make dustin a little jealous he'll, he'll get that follow soon um wished him best of luck here in tallahassee we look forward to covering him uh and he also did tell me on twitter and the dms that uh he is also following a numerous amount of people that they're not going after just to fuck with you dustin (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure he divulged that information yeah yeah he made sure to let me know (laughs) uh let's see last question here from the twitter peeps prediction for which recruits we sign from caden and then a whole list of numbers next to it Uh, he's asking that what is our prediction for which recruits we sign and this is where austin's going to just kind of go back into the bushes you know that meme (laughs) yeah you just (laughs) the simpson you just go back into the bushes (laughs) and hide (laughs) go back to watching your basketball highlights (laughs) did did oregon lose yet i was right into louisville previous i don't know ah okay 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 devoted devoted but yeah dustin what is your take on this so from from my point of view, I think Florida State's going to add between five to eight more guys, and that includes uh, high school prospects, JUCO guys, and and grad transfers. That's that's the total number. So this is just kind of a list going off my head. Um, safety Donovan Kaufman, running back JUCO running back Ladamian Webb. I think you get athlete Corey Wren who can play running back or wide receiver I think you signed Malachi Weidman you get Jalen St. John a high school offensive guard or offensive tackle he can flex between either one and then you also get defensive end Gilbert Edmond who is a kind of a rising pro he's not ranked right now um he's he played wide receiver up until this spring when he switched to defensive end and playing in I believe the second highest classification in Florida, he had 17 sacks. So six foot four, 215 pound guy. 
definitely someone with potential and that long frame that you can mold into a star defensive end. And then just thinking quickly about grad transfers, I think they get TJ Stormont. I think they get the defensive end from Temple, Quincy Roche. And I think they get Cornell Jones from Purdue. So potentially a good amount of guys still to still to come in Tribe 20. Well, we should do a lot more of these uh, question things, Dustin, now that you have enough clout to reach more people <laughs> <laughs> on there. This Agreed. Is, I was surprised. Questions. I was surprised yeah. with eight questions. Yeah, we're you're doing good, man. We're just gonna let you keep doing that. Um, we'll do these. We might do these more weekly because it is now the off season. We won't have really much of anything to preview except for basketball. Um, and we're also gonna let Austin give a chance at covering a little bit of baseball this year. Too. <laughs> right. Oh. I know you less about baseball than I do recruiting. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we'll make sure to do a little bit more of these Q and A's because, uh, we need more content, the better and anything to spend more time on this and not our fun facts, of <laughs> the podcast, the better Please. And trivia. <laughs> more fun facts and trivia, yeah, trivia, trivia is still going to be coming back. This is going to start 2020. We're going to see how long we can take it. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much going to finish off football for right now. Uh, I'd say we jump into a little bit of basketball because I hear that there's some Big games coming up for Florida State. Yeah, you've got, you've got arguably the biggest game of the season this Saturday on the road at number three, Louisville. Um, Louisville's been great to start the season. They're arguably the best team in the country, but who knows at this point. There's many number one teams have lost. Um, they've only lost two games to Kentucky in overtime and to Texas Tech, who was in the Final Four last year. You can't complain about that. But this Louisville team's good. I don't know how much you've watched them, Dustin, but it's a really, really good team. Yeah, I haven't watched a ton of them, but, I mean, Louisville, they're always very solid defensively, and they can always kind of kind of uh, attack you pretty well on offense as well. I mean, whenever Florida State plays Louisville, I always expect a pretty good game, and I expect FSU to be going up a pretty against a pretty well-rounded team, which that looks like exactly what Louisville is putting on the court this season. Yeah, it's a very experienced team. The, inst- the entire starting five is all juniors and seniors, which is very impressive. Um, Chris Max put together arguably his best coaching job. I'm not the hugest fan of him. I think he's a solid coach, but I think he falls apart late in games, um, which we kind of saw against Kentucky, but uh, we'll, we can get to that in a little bit. Um, leading them is Jordan Nora, who was a preseason All-America, preseason All-Conference Player of the Year. Um, having 20 points a game, seven rebounds a game. He's efficient all over the floor. He's great defensively. Super impressive player, and I was surprised he came back to Louisville because he probably would have been a first-round pick last year. And then they've only got one other double-digit score in Stephen Enoch. But then you have the best streaky shooter of all time in Ryan McMahon. <laughs> you got Dwayne Sutton, Darius Perry, Malik Williams. The depth is crazy for them. The experience is crazy for them. Um, even when Noora wasn't having a great game against Kentucky, uh, senior guard Lamar Kimball really stepped up for them, had his best game of the season. They can attack you so many different ways. Um, from re-watching the Kentucky game, I did a lot of that today. Uh, they mainly attack offensively using clear outs and isolations, try and get one-on-one match- matchups, and the defense crashes, which Florida State will do because they're a help defense. 
Um, they kick out for open threes, and they're a great three-point shooting team as well. So this will be a very tough matchup for Florida State. I'm, <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah, it sounds like, like FSU, Louisville has a pretty deep rotation. Uh, they have five guys averaging over 20 minutes minutes per game. Florida State has six. So two really deep teams going at each other. Like you said, Austin, they're they're a bit more experienced. And Florida State, on the other hand, is integrate, integrating seven or eight new guys into the rotation this year. So really the first... The first true, I guess you would say true test for this team going against a top 10 Louisville team in a crazy environment. We we figured out their arena holds 22,000 people, which rivals plenty of NBA arenas, I would say, yeah. and is one of the biggest in college basketball. So tough environment against a, a very experienced team. It's going to be very tough for Florida State. and. And this one, this is the type of game where you need your stars to step up. You need Trent Forrest to have a great game. You need Devin Vassell to shoot over 50% from the field, which that's something he hasn't done over the last couple games. And you need your streaky shooter, MJ Walker, to knock down some shots. Yeah, absolutely. And like we said on other podcasts, in the state of Kentucky, college basketball is all they have. <laughs> this arena this is going to be rocking. It's in the middle of the day on a Saturday. There's no professional sports. It is going to be all Louisville basketball. Um, the KFC Yum Center is a crazy atmosphere. It's one of the most intimidating environments in the ACC, which is saying something with as many great arenas and fan bases as there are. Um, it's, it's going to be a really tough matchup, especially for the way Florida State plays. They're going to have to rebound the ball a lot better than they have in the past. Um, their inbounds defense, they're not going to be able to run it the same just because of the way Louisville inbounds the ball underneath the basket. Um, it's going to force Florida State to do things that they haven't done all season, and that's including making open shots. <laughs> um, we'll see. Um, I don't think a spread has been released, and it won't until Friday night. But I'm expecting Louisville to open as four or five-point favorites, and mm-hmm. it, it'll be a tough game. It really will be. And you have to think, really – this is the type of atmosphere that a guy like Patrick Williams really wants to come out and, and just have a great game. And you're going to have probably a ton of NBA, NBA scouts at this game and also watching, watching on TV and Williams, a guy that could potentially go pro after this season is still trying to lock up first round status and having a great game against a Louisville team that has so many great players and also guys that could be, eventually in the NBA would, would only help further cement where he could be drafted later on. Yeah, absolutely. And like you mentioned with MJ Walker earlier, he had arguably his best game of the season last year at home against Louisville. So hopefully he can continue that going into this season and have another great game because he's going to be needed. Um, and yeah, Patrick Williams is going to need a great game. Everybody's going to have to have a great game. Um, on the injury front, uh, Balsa Kopravice got hurt last game. Uh, with a back injury, we're expecting him to be out a couple weeks, it sounds like. Um, we don't know the exact specifications of the injury, but um, it's a big Which, loss. He'd been playing well. Yeah, I thought Balsa, the last couple games, he'd really taken a step forward. Um, looked really great on offense, also starting to step up a little bit defensively. And that's just a big loss for Florida State. I mean, coming into the season, that was what we talked about as a weak spot of the team. With just Dominic Olenicek and Kopravica locking down that center spot, and not a 
not a true established shot blocking or, or rebounding big. So now you just get even more thin on the front line and you're going to have to utilize Malik Osborne more at that five spot going forward. Which is, it's not going to be great coming in this game when you have two great bigs and Stephen Enoch and Malik Williams for Louisville. Yeah, perfect um, game for him to get hurt. Yeah, both both <laughs> of them are great bigs. Both are averaging almost seven rebounds a game. Um, they're not blocking a ton of shots, which is great, but they're also very overpowering centers that can even stretch the floor a little bit. So it's going to be a tough matchup for when Malik Osborne does switch down to the five and potentially Turk, Raekwon Gray. Um, I also wouldn't be totally surprised if one of them gets in foul trouble and we see Harrison Prieto get a little bit of action. Um, it, it'll be tough. It really will be. That's the problem. This this team, they're just so thin on that front line. I mean, with Cobra Vika. Yeah, exactly. Cobra Vika going down. I just mentioned you have Olenicek, you have Malik Osborne, and you have Raekwon Gray. That, that's, about, that's about it when it comes to your front court. So, um, yeah. In my opinion, it it's looked like Olenizek, he's pretty much gotten played off the court over the last couple of weeks. Um, they haven't really been able to consistently rely on him, and I would feel the same thing is likely to happen against Louisville. I mean, the, the talent the talent advantage is, is just too much for them down low against Olenizek. I mean, he's a, he's a graduate transfer, fifth-year guy. He is what he is at this point. He looked solid against Georgia Tech, but you could tell he was winded because he had that illness, reported illness, from the weekend before that caused him to miss a game. Um, we'll see how much he plays this game against Louisville. He's only been playing about five to ten minutes per game the past few weeks or in the past month. Yeah. Um, he's going to have to play 15 to 20 and play well in those 15 to 20 minutes for Florida State to have much of a chance, honestly. But I am expecting Florida State to run a ton of small ball in this game. But you're not used to with Coach Hamilton. He hasn't been a big small small ball guy. And just the thing about the future, Austin. I mean, does that worry you a bit with where Florida State's front court is at? Obviously, you lose Olenizek to graduation after this year. You still bring back Raekwon Gray, Malik Osborne, and Balsa Kobravica. But that's that's kind of it on on the front court. And you don't currently have any big men signed. You have Scotty Barnes, obviously, but he's going to be more of a point guard type in Tallahassee. So what are, what are they to do with with that thin front court? Right. Um, the before the season, Nahima Cloud uh, was announced ineligible. We're expecting him to start practicing here soon. Um, we don't think I don't think he's going to play this season. Uh, hopefully, sticks around on the roster for next season. We'll be able to see him then. Uh, we lost. Uh, what was his name? Some dude went to sign with Michigan. <laughs> I forgot his name. Hunter um, Hunter Dickinson. Yeah, Hunter Dickinson. That's right. He signed with Michigan. Florida State had been after him for a long time. Um, and honestly, this, a couple years ago, he lost Ike Obiagu. Yeah, and that, that really threw the recruiting plans in a funk because the entire staff was incredibly high on him and thought he could be the next great Florida State center um, in the same lines as Solomon Alibi and Bernard James. Not as skilled offensively as Bernard, obviously, but Ike had tons of potential and still does, and he's been playing well at Seton Hall. And when he transferred, it really threw the entire plans in a funk. He would have been, he would have been absolutely starting this season. There's no doubt about that. And he, he put up pretty great numbers. I have no doubt. 
Yeah, it's just that front court is so thin. You do have a talented recruiting class coming in, but without landing the commitment of Dickerson, it's it's all pretty much guards. I mentioned Barnes. You have Sardier Calhoun, a shooting guard, and you have Malachi Weidman, who projects to be a shooting guard as well. So they need to they need to go after some bigs. They need to add. Well, I mean, really at both at both positions, center and power forward, they need to get some more young guys on the roster and just kind of get back into that groove where hopefully you're getting a big just about every year. So you always have guys that are both experienced and, and youth on the roster right now. They're kind of out of that cycle. It feels like. Yeah. And with Devin Vassell gaining a lot of NBA interest and Patrick Williams having that NBA interest from high school, I think the spot's going to open up and Florida state still pursuing some bigs. Um, hopefully they can land one because, like you said, they desperately need one going in for these next few seasons. Yeah. And, Austin, I guess we can close off basketball by just real quick making a quick prediction for Florida State at, Florida State at Louisville. Um, I'll go ahead and start it off. I really think the the environment and the overall experience and, and talent and depth of Louisville is just going to overwhelm a Florida State team that's – still trying to find its rhythm offensively and still trying to find its its full rotation. I feel like Hamilton's still kind of figuring things out there. So I think Louisville wins this one 67-60. That's a pretty good prediction. Um, Louisville's obviously great defensively. Like you noted earlier, they're allowing less than 60 points per game, which is pretty good. Florida State's around the same range. I think they're 63-64. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be in that same range. I think the inexperience for Florida State is going to catch up to them late in the game. But if they can make it an uglier game, I think they have a better shot. If they allow this to get high tempo, high scoring, then it plays more to Louisville's favor. Um, But I will also take Louisville in a 64-58 game. And yeah, after Louisville, Florida State plays at Wake Forest on January 8th. And then they get a week break before playing uh, number 19, Virginia, at home on January 15th. So we'll definitely preview those two games before they happen and get a recap of the Louisville game, hopefully early next week. So, Logan, back to you, boss. Oh, man, just woke up from a good nap. (laughs) He did what I do during recruiting (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, we just trade there for a little bit, and Dustin just has to work his head Yeah, I just, have, I just have to do it all. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> he's used to it. <laughs> he is. He's a, follow, he's, a stalk, he's a stalker on Twitter, so he's used to it. Got to be ready at all times, right, Dustin? Are y'all ready for season two of FSU Trivia? I'm ready to win another season. This is, yep, Austin was our first winner. That was kind of like we were trying it out this segment a little bit. That so he wins the inaugural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was preseason. <laughs> now we're in full. This is a new scene. This is season four of Here the Spear. And this is going to be our first season, though, introducing the official Here the Spear FSU trivia. Dustin and Austin are going to be in on this, and they're going to try to answer a question <laughs> regarding FSU athletics correctly. Uh, it can be any sport. We try to be around football and basketball mainly but i might be a little tricky and go some other sports uh we'll see we don't know uh but we'll see austin like he said earlier he won uh this last year uh but this is going to hit off the real official segment for us so yeah i said we jump right into it real quick 
Um, here we go. When was the last time Florida State basketball went to the Final Four? 1970. I'm going to do a um, countdown here. Eight, seven. 1973. 1972. Oh, oh it was 72. Dang man. it. Man, oh, man. I was thinking Dave Cowens, and he left in 71. Dang it. All right, wow. You like you liking these questions, guys? I mean, th- I mean, this is a good one so far. I've given y'all basketball. Y'all been whining about it the last couple of weeks, but here we are asking basketball. Yeah, we, we need it. This is good. This is good. All right, here we go. Question number two of the night. Uh, Florida State, when is the last time they were the runners up in the NCAA tournament? Oh, my God. 1967. 72. 1972 is correct. Uh-huh. That is- We've only made the Final Four once. <laughs> a little bit of a trick question. <laughs> <Dustin>. <laughs> <laughs> your your guesses are good but <laughs> how you feeling let's just go to dustin first how do you feel after i told y'all that the first time florida state reached a final four and the only time was in 1972 and then i asked when was the last time that they were runners up and then ca tournament how do you feel dustin tell us you know, I feel ashamed. I don't know. <laughs> so obviously not a good start for Florida. Uh, not a good start for the Mike Norvell, Mike Norvell era on Dustin's end. <laughs> <laughs> and we're direct. This is basketball season, though. What are you talking about? Don't play. Don't put this on football side of thing. This is you. You're a basketball guru. You're right. You're right. Hashtag fire ham. <laughs> Austin, how do you feel? You're one to know, man. I'm mad. I got the first question wrong, honestly. Yeah, Sat you were that, close. Sat that practiced it for three straight years to bring out a 72 and not 70. I'm mad wow. we can't uh, go 20 minutes this time. Yeah, well, you know what? We can't keep people on here all the time. They're they're probably driving right now as we speak, trying to get places, and they don't have time for us to just sit here and do this all night long dustin okay all right do you have any fun facts for us tonight no i don't have anything (laughs) did your mom find out (laughs) i'm sure i can find something i'm sure you can i'm sure you can i'm looking right now as we speak our fun facts. We did this. We introduced this segment a little bit near the end of the football season this last year, and we're going to keep it because I think uh, fans really enjoy it. I, I don't like saying fans. I think listeners because I feel like <laughs> do you feel I like think we like have you fans, really guys? enjoy it. That's let, let's be real. I you enjoy this more than anyone. I do enjoy this. Maybe I'm, I'm always nervous though about what Dustin may say. Um, <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying to tone it down. I'm trying to tone it down a little bit. Yeah, we talked about in the meeting that we're going to start off 2020 on a, on a more um, PG route, and then throughout the year it just will get worse and worse. You know. Um. <laughs> <laughs> what you got there? This one just took me back to a previous episode. It's believed that if you eat fast food pretty regularly, you'll consume about 12 pubes a year. Great episode. 
And you said what after that? I eat 36. <laughs> and is that from you just eating fast food or different kind of things going on? <laughs> Probably a mixture. Probably a mixture. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll just go with this one. It's pretty PG. Yeah, male, not bad. A male honeybee's ejaculation is so strong it makes his dick explode, killing him. That's not. That's not PG. <laughs> it's PG where I'm from. Where are you from? Uh, Tallahassee. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know uh, what happens in Tallahassee? This is PG for Tallahassee. I went to college there, and I'm pretty sure I do. So then you know this is PG for Tallahassee. Logan, you got your fun fact? Yeah, but this one's not PG, though. Oh. Is it so G? Should I, should, I, should I throw a PG one in the middle, then? E for everyone? Yeah, do you have your fun fact, Austin? Yeah. Google oh, wow. was originally named Backrub. Backrob. Backrob? Backrob? R-O-B? Backrub. Oh, Backrub. Whoa. That's interesting. Hey, I'm trying to think about how that would work. This one's not bad. This one's like PG, PG-13. Um, according to a survey of adults age 20 to 59... Women have an average of four sex partners during their lifetime. Men have an average of seven. Dustin, how does that feel being at one? Uh, and Austin being at zero. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. It feels like we're below the national average. <laughs> yeah, it does. Dustin's getting married soon anyways. Can we not start this? news to Dustin. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Then, nothing, nothing. That's it. <laughs> nothing. Oh, man. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode. I think our podcast provider only lets us do about an hour and a half, so we're about 15 minutes away from hitting that limit. So I say we cut this one. I think this was a great first episode of 2020. Florida State football season is officially over. The Mike Norbell era has begun. Thank uh, God. It is over, guys. Uh, Willie Taggart is done. The whole staff is clearing out. The offices are getting their things removed. Um, that's it. Any last words on the Willie Taggart era, guys? Willie, Willie. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. No last words are needed. The, the last game was all the words we needed. Do you think Florida and Miami sent him here for something to do this to Florida State? It'd be a pretty good sabotage operation. There's a lot of conspiracy theorists out there right now. Something to keep an eye on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. You can listen to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, uh, YouTube. If you're on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button. And if you're watching this right now, you crazy freaks on YouTube, hit that like button and put a comment below and say what's up. We try to respond over there to you guys. And if you're on iTunes, I always forget to say subscribe over there because that will also give you a notification whenever we upload our new episodes. Uh, we're, like Dustin said, and uh, we're going to try to upload a lot this uh, year. 
75 is the goal. I think we had 33 this last year, so that's by far, by far more double the amount. Uh, so that is going to be the goal, 75. So there's going to be a lot of podcasts coming to you guys. Make sure you stay uh, notificationed up on your phones. Um, I don't know if that really made sense, but yeah. Aren't you you should have just said notified. State, see, that goes, goes ahead and shows you that we're recording at 12.15. It also just shows how stupid I am. But... Uh, if you're on you on Twitter, make sure you follow us at Hear the Spear. Tweet us, say what's up. I uh, always appreciate you guys communicating with us over there. Uh, but yeah, that's gonna do it. Happy 2020, guys. Uh, we look forward to talking to you guys in the next episode uh, next week. See you guys. Yeet. Oh. <laughs> what the hell, man. 